My name is Martin Helena, and I'm the head veterinarian at the Vancouver Aquarium. Okay, and you have been the man who has the last couple times administered the antibiotic to G50. Is that right? Yep, yep, that's absolutely right. Okay. Can we go back to the first time? And since now you're sort of an expert, I'm sure. Yeah, right. Um, uh -huh. What was it like that first time? Um, well, uh, you know, it was obviously... <clears throat> sort of, uh, sort of exciting to to be part of the team. But I, you know, I think uh, as with everyone who's involved, you know, a lot of what you're feeling and is is just worry and and concern for this uh, for this little whale. So, you know, I think uh, a lot of what I remember that first time is having laid eyes on J50 um, for my first time. That was the same day. And although I'd heard how skinny she was, and I'd seen the the, the photogrammetry Im images and, and and other people's photos and stuff, I think nothing hit it home quite like seeing her in in person. And so there's this uh, little little skinny four-year-old whale, um, you know, with her family and and, uh, and and sort of keeping up with something quite obviously wrong with her. And so I think that day we followed her for for almost six hours. Um, we just sort of followed the the group for a good hour, I think, at the beginning while she was crossing from Canadian waters to American waters, and uh, just you know watched the movements, watched the patterns. Uh, we were working from a NOAA boat. Dr. Brad Hansen was driving, just absolute excellent uh, driver and, and renowned uh, killer whale researcher, and, and so he knows everything about these animals and where they go and and how to drive around them. So. Um, and then just got set for uh, a good shot, and an opportunity came, and and got the dart into her, and um, it it did you know have a have a bounce, um, of course, um, probably didn't deliver, um, you know, uh, all of the, all the dosage for sure, hoping that she got about half of it, or maybe a little bit more on that one, and um, uh, you know then retrieving the dart and kind of looking at the dart and, and making sure it went to the right place and that sort of business, and. And then we remained with the group for, for about another four hours or so, um, hoping to get another shot. Um, we did get sort of an opportunity, but, but that, that was a clear miss on that occasion. And um, then just really concentrating on doing uh, a veterinary assessment of her, and at the same time, um, some of the folks, uh, Jeff Foster from Whale Sanctuary um, Project, got uh, a blowhole sample um, from her. They tried to collect some scales from some other fish uh, kills that other animals in their group were doing. And just getting a good idea for me on her uh, respiratory rate, her respiratory character, swimming ability, position in the water, um, and anything else I could possibly assess just from uh, being around them for a while. So you go in and do it a second time. Were there lessons you took from the first time that you used the second time? And what was, how did this compare to the first time? Sure. You, you know, as you can imagine, there's a lot of folks involved. So we... Um, we took the, you know, what we what we learned on the on the first shot, and and also what we knew from, you know, dealing with other anim animals and in, in, in other places uh, that we we've, we've darted animals, and then um, the group thought that we should use a, a collared needle instead of a straight needle. So this time there's a little brass kind of flange on the needle about halfway up um, that would would help anchor the needle after the shot was taken. Um, we talked a lot about the pressure that the dart was going at and, um, you know, talked about backing it off. So I, I backed it, I think, back from about 13 bar to 10 bar. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, and also 
I wanted to take a shot from more over top of the animal as opposed to from the side, um, just so there is sort of more good muscle um, area exposed for for the for the dart to get into. So th those kind of things we we took to the second shot. So the second time, um, you feel like it was pretty successful. Um, what was that like seeing her again? Can you tell us a little bit about her condition since the last time you had seen her and uh, just anything about administering the second dose that uh, memory of uh, an interesting part of it that you remember that people would find interesting to just to know about what it's like doing this this work? Yeah, I, you know, I think a, a lot about the second shot was um, the fact that we'd been looking for her for the two days prior to when she actually came up. So, um, you know, the way the rotation works with the veterinary crew is is one out of the, I think there's three of us that are permitted to, to dart. Um, one of us is kind of always available um, at any given point in time. Uh, so this weekend when the Jays um, had returned from out west and were identified, um, they mobilized uh, the, the crews to, to go out and follow and, and then got me, you know, through planes, trains, and automobiles uh, to the boats and, and, and on the team to assess the animals. And, of course, we didn't find her. We didn't find her on Saturday. Um, they were back on, on Sunday in an area we could get to this time in Canada. Um, couldn't, uh, couldn't get her there. I didn't see her. So, you know, by the end of the second day, by the end of sun Sunday, she hadn't been seen, even though the rest of the group had been identified now for about two and a half days. I think people got really quite, quite worried that she'd, she'd passed, that we'd lost her. And, and I was certainly among, among those fearing the worst. Um, and uh, so then when the, she was found on Monday, um, you know, that a lot of it was, oh, my gosh, el elation that she's alive, you know, that we could have another chance. So, again, got out there um, <clears throat> to San Juan this time, joined the University of Washington boat with Dr. Uh, um, Deborah Giles. She goes by Giles, so I'll just call her Giles now. Um, and uh, and onto the onto her boat uh, with with, with uh, um, Colette, one, a woman she works with, and um, and you know Jaws is an awesome boat driver as well. I just think Brad knows all the animals and stuff. And so you know I think the first thing was oh my gosh she's alive. So we're all elated. But then I, you know laying eyes on her, you're just reminded oh my gosh this is again uh, a little whale that is in some trouble. You know she was um, you know just as skinny. As before, um, it's it's hard to tell whether she she'd gotten a little bit better or, or even maybe a little bit worse. We'll rely on some photogrammetry data on that that should be coming up in the next day or two um, to to assess that a little bit more objectively from from the drone work. But um, you, you know, you're right back into oh my gosh, um, this little girl's in trouble. And then it's all about um, prioritizing the day and, and getting the second dart in. And, and this time uh, we're dealing with a very, very flat water, very calm. could see her under the water very well. Um, could time her coming up um, for, for a breath alongside. Um, I, I'm not sure, I put actually, in, in hindsight, whether it was her mother or another relative she was beside when, when we took the shot. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, no, just got a really good opportunity there and, and, and got that in. Um, again, there was a bit of a bounce. Um, so, again, I'd probably taper down the, the pressure um, from, the, from, from the dart back to about 8 bar, but um, if, if we're going to do it again. Um, but, you know, one of this, we've got so many factors. It's a, it's a fairly heavy dart. We want it to fly straight and true. Um, you have an animal that surfaces for very sort of brief moments of time, so so you don't have much time. You need to get that dart delivered, um, so it needs to have some velocity. So, 
um, you know, you're always balancing these things. But, yeah, there's definitely another bounce. I think uh, judging from the needle we covered, it went into a very good spot. Um, and, and there's definitely some, some splash. So the needle had cracked as it, um, as it bent over. But I, but I feel confident that she got a, a pretty good dosage on that one. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, again, you, you take that and, and, and share that with everybody, and, and the next person who, who has an opportunity will, will take all this experience in hand and, and, and go again. So, you know, certainly you, everyone's, oh, yay, we got a, a dart into her. That's great. But there is always this sort of background and almost overwhelming, I suppose, sense of, of, of worry and, you know, what exactly is wrong with her? What else can we do? What should we be doing? Those kind of thoughts are always on your mind. I'm just curious, as someone who's been working with marine mammals for such a long time, I'm sure sometimes you probably wish more people were paying attention. What do you think about just all the attention that, that this particular effort with this particular whale has gotten? You, you know, um, Alison, it's a, that's a, such an interesting perspective. You know, you know I, I guess for sure for me in my limited world, um, this is a lot of attention. Um, and in the I think, and I think it's really, really great. You know, I think it's a reflection on people's genuine care for these animals. I think animals. I think everyone's very supportive of the effort. Most people recognize that there's a very complex story going on with these animals. I think people realize or are quickly realizing that that we're dealing with a highly endangered um, group of um, killer. <coughs> excuse me, of killer whales, southern resident killer whales. Um, that there's, you know, many risk factors affecting their recovery, um, most of which are, are, have something to do with, with people and, and our activity and our actions and, and how we share the environment with these animals. Um, so I think it's really great that, we, you know, we, there's so much attention. On the other hand, you know, they're, they're you know, there's still not as much attention as, like, the latest scandal with, um, you know, the Real Housewives of this, that, or the other thing, or, or the latest Brad Pitt story or something. I don't know. Um, you know what I mean? Like, like it's great. That, uh, like, I feel like there's a lot, a lot of attention, but I still feel, you know, the average person is is maybe not not as aware as, as folks right here in, in our region. And and I, I think that's probably okay. But uh, you know, it'd be probably better if if we all sort of had our our intention on on things that really matter. On that note, what do we tell people about? Uh, what they can do. Any thoughts on as folks do start to pay attention, how they can feel like a participant in recovery? Yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of things that everyone can do, and and uh, you know we've got. Um, it is interesting. We have uh, you know a few young fans, uh, one in particular in, in White Rock, and who uh, who's been collecting you know bottles and cans and and donating money for, for J50 is super cute. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's been, starts at that level, you know, obviously she, she cares so deeply. Um, and then uh, there's a lot of things that every one of us can do that, uh, you know, might mitigate some of the, the effects that we've had on, on our environment that we share with these, these animals. So, you know, we know some of the risk factors um, include pollutants. Um, you know, we, we could probably be better at... Uh, uh, at, at how we use our sewage systems and what we dump into places and, and the materials we use for different things that we rely on and minimizing that sort of impact. And uh, all of us, when we go to the restaurant, can, can choose, um, uh, you know, seafood that, that's sustainable. Um, you know, these, these animals are so specific on what they rely on. That it's not just that there's fish eaters and it's not just that there's salmon eaters, 
but they really, really rely on, on Chinook salmon very specifically as, as, as a huge part of their, of their normal diet. So, you know, maybe that's a resource that we can try and limit our effect on and, and, and try and, and maybe um, share that a little bit better. And we know that noise affects the animals, so, so maybe we could do a better job of, of shipping lanes and, and limiting big traffic. But more importantly, limiting our recreational traffic, which we think, um, based on some good research out of several facilities, including our own, has shown that, that it's, it, you know, it might actually be the recreational boat or the starts and stops and, and the high speed and higher frequency kind of noises in, in smaller, faster boats that might be a bigger problem for these animals. So, and I know there's you know, legislation that comes through and new rules and these things keep getting better, but I think we can, we can all, all be much, much better still. It seems just as a spectator that this almost is a shift in endangered species recovery. I mean, we keep hearing the phrase, this is a historic intervention. Um, it, it feels like prior to this that maybe we just watch an endangered species start to slowly disappear and feel like we can't intervene, that we have to kind of let the wild take its course. How do those conversations happen to get us to the point where now we have something like this recovery effort that you're a part of? And does this kind of change the way people start thinking about intervening in the potential decline of an endangered species like these? I, I would hope so. Y you um, are addressing a, a really complicated story and, and there might, you know, there are definitely folks that have that sort of, well, we just need let nature take its course. But unfortunately, you know, there are very few places left in the world where, which are truly where nature can do what nature was supposed to do. You know, our populations have affected the world on a global scale. I've been very, very lucky in my life and, and had some unique opportunities to go and work in really, really remote areas with some really cool animals. But everywhere I've gone, there's garbage on the beach. There's, um, you know, uh, persistent uh, pollutants in the, in, in the food chain. We've affected just about everything. And, and unfortunately for some of these species that really share a close environment with humans like um, the southern residents here, like um, the vaquita in 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 the um, in in the um, in the Gulf of California, the um, in Baja, um, it, like you know, um, mountain gorilla um, through through Africa. Um, there is so much conflict between humans and animals that probably and most likely are the root of the cause of their decline. So it has come down to the level of individualized medicine to save a population and then and you know while we concentrate on j50 um and and practice this sort of individualized medicine and and although we've been trying to to stay as as least invasive as possible and and you know relying on things from a distance including treating her from a distance um we need to worry about that individual for sure but at the same time we really really need to uh, think about some big changes to the environment so that if we do manage to save an animal J50 or the, or the next southern resident that's in trouble, we need to be able to save them and, and have them live into an environment that can better support them in the future, right? I think that's a great place to end unless there's something else you'd like to add, Marie. You know, mentioning all the partners and all that stuff and so many different people and 
But, you know, they've got, like, private pilots fi- flying me in and out because I live in Point Roberts. So, like, people are devoting, you know, donating their time, just, like, even just for me and, and putting me up in places in the San Juans and all those sorts of places. It's uh, just been an incredible community effort. Ourselves, the Whale Museum, um, all the Sound Watch and Straight Watch programs, Sea Dog Society, who's been a vital partner in this, um, uh, you know, um, Center for Whale Conservation, the uh, Whale Sanctuary Project, all these folks that have, are from such diverse nonprofits, they, they're, they're not relying on your tax dollar to any great extent for their annual budget. It's, it's, it's definitely, um, they're working um, based on money from people who really care about stuff. So I'd encourage you to find out who's, uh, who's in your neighborhood and who's doing good things about things you care about and, and help support them as best you can. All right, Martin Helena, Dr. Martin Helena, I should say, Vancouver Aquarium Veterinarian. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much.